2 Street for Brenham. Nice to see you again, Zachariah. Always a pleasure, Ruby. You know, it occurs to me after the last few weeks of Street for Brengen that a core element, that a core element of what we're discussing comes down to expectations. In general, what's today's expectation of the average Chabad individual for themselves, parents for their children, moistest for their students? What Are our expectations high or are they low? What do you think? The question... And, and we did actually talk about this in, a, in an interesting sentence, actually, in the third, in the third uh, podcast, where we mentioned the traditional expectations for a chassid of davening Vaida and doing his boininess and making sure that we, you know, check all of the boxes of chitas and rambam, et cetera, et cetera. So we talked about that, I think, in the general sense. So uh, if you wouldn't mind, specify a little bit of what you're referring to here in terms of expectation. I'm not talking about the obvious, do you do chitas? Do you, even do you learn chassidus every morning, even though many people don't? I'm talking about as individual, internally, my thoughts. What do we want Chassid. Like, for example, the Mitla Rebbe says, when two Chassidim get together, they should be speaking about Yehudi'ila. Is that an expectation we have today? Or two Jews meet, be for the sake of a third person. So it's a certain mahalech of, I would call it, as much as possible, personal excellence. Do we expect from our culture? Is our culture screaming out personal excellence or not. And that covers so many different areas, but just in general. And my my view and observation is the answer is no. I would have to agree with that. And I think we could talk about this just from our own personal experience of the the expectation we see of how Lubavitchers should look compared to the firm world. When, when I see most institutions now, I see it more as figuring out ways that there are similarities in order to kind of uh, mesh and, and kind of get absorbed in the general firm world versus actually standing out and showing how Chabad is uh, unique or apart even philosophically, let alone practically in terms of, you know, physical differences of things that we actually actively do versus other people. I'll give you an example of this that I think I think could be brought out, you know, in a lot of different ways. But let's just bring one example, which is the idea of shluchim, 
Shluchim, as they are on campuses and communities, are they seen as something that's unique or are they seen as something that, you know, is part of now the mainstream, so to speak, orthodox culture and just another alternative to, uh, uh, you know, to the young Israel that's next door to the other cure of organizations on campus to, uh, you know, just something general of that. I, I don't think that I'd be surprised if Shluchim think they are that way <laughs> simply because the hallmark of Chabad is all inclusiveness. And I don't know of any other group that has that. Um, but what is the shliach's expectation? Even though you're saying that that's, you know, it's interesting that you say that that's not how they would view themselves. You know, I think when a lot of people think about Chabad as like the pioneers, you know, that's how it was when Chabad houses were doing that originally and really being all inclusive originally. You're saying what other groups do it, maybe not to the same degree, but maybe outwardly. There are actually plenty of groups that I feel like are taking that approach or have adopted that approach. You could say that maybe they adopted it because of Chabad, but it doesn't change the fact that that seems to be a lot of people's motto. So again, going back to the original idea of like, well, maybe they're just their expectation of the parents of the schools of, you know, the institution, so to speak, is that they should at least be from they should keep kosher. They should keep Shabbos. They should be, but generally speaking, you know, you're Shemayim and, you know, you know, not do anything externally so crazy, you know, but at home, you know, behind closed doors, what's the expectation? They're going to do what they're going to do. They're teenagers. Eurita Sedora is going back to that idea. You know, the, the expectation is that enchantment or a relationship with God or Hasidus or the Rebbe is, is going to be an aside, is going to be uh, just an added bonus that maybe you're going to be able to uh, hop a certain percentage of the of the group, you know, to have any one of those, if at all. But this is a real issue, and it's an American issue. It's not only a Jewish issue. Is is mediocrity, and so how how do we change this? How do we raise the bar? Because one of the reasons why the expectations are so low is it's like a it's like a um, ontological circle argument. It's like the expectations are so low, and our experiences reflect that, and our experiences do not take us out of low expectations. So it's a circular um, prison that we're in. And from, I, I'm thinking back in the years when I was in yeshiva, when you were feeling a little bit, um, as the Alter Rebbe says in Tanya, you know, tumtum alev and tumtum amoyach, you went to Fabrenga with the Rebbe, and he shattered your timtum. Now, we don't have that today. Elaborate on that idea, because, you know, should we have lower expectations because we can't physically see the Rebbe? Or do we need to, like, do, let's just not say lower the expectation. Do we need to change the expectation of what we should have from our children, what we should have from ourselves, and what we should have of the institution at large? I think that that's a, a definitive yes. We should have higher expectations, real high expectations. High, okay, higher, but I'm saying compare. 
beforehand, like you just said, you were able to go to a Fabrangan, see the Rebbe, and he was able to lift you out of your garbage. You don't have that now. Okay, so then therefore, you don't need to have the expectation that you're going to be able to get that level of uplifting. Is that true? Do you agree with that statement? Because, I mean, I have different opinions. Of that, well, I don't know if I'm going to get tomatoes thrown at me, but I'll suggest that, that during the years of going to Fabrengen's, it was like, as it says in Chassidus, when the Nefesh of the Kis has an experience and the Nefesh of Bahamas isn't affected by it. In other words, it was very inspiring. But the average person, I don't know how much they changed when they walked away. Um, yes, there was more excitement. There's no question about it. Yes, there was more mission. But I don't think it, it, it the, the Rebbe said, first Basil Lagani, he said, I am going to do your hard work. You have to do it yourself. And you're, I'll help you. I'll guide you. I'll give you ammunition, like it says in the Basil Lagani Mimer this year, right? I'll give you that oitzer. But you gotta, you gotta come to the range and fire that ammunition on a daily basis to hit that target. And I definitely was relying on the inspirational highs that a Fabrenga would give me. I don't think I was conscious of it, but I was doing that. And um, even if there wasn't a change of behavior in a negative, you were still floating from the Rebbe's hard work not from your own. And I think, if I can say it this way, where did we see that? We saw that in Tashinan Aleva and Nun Base when the Lubavitcher community said, basically, including the Shluchim, no matter what they say, and I was there, and I'll back this up, we basically said, sorry, Rebbe, we don't get it. And... Um, we need you to move it forward, but we're still holding by Oifenim Eskabel, and Oifenim Eskabel, Geula doesn't work with us. I mean, now now let's put that in perspective of what I was saying before about Chabad being known as being the pioneers. Are we the pioneers anymore? Or are we scared to do anything outside of the box because we don't have the approval, the stamp of approval that we would be able to get from the Rebbe after an initiative was put forward. Wait, 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 wait. You know what? The Rebbe put initiatives forward and he wasn't able to get the stamp of approval from the Hasidim. So don't blame it on, on, on the Rebbe's stamp of approval being missing. And that's exactly my point. Where now you have people who, <laughs> as you just described, Eifer Miskabel and never got past that point which is a, is, a, is a strange statement, because what is that really telling you? That's telling you, well, you know, at the end of the day, means not saying anything ever about the topics that the Rebbe wanted us to talk about. Let's, let's, let's not even talk about Mashiach and Gula, because we've done a lot of that. But let's talk about Sheva uh, Mitzvah's B'nai Noach. People didn't know what to do with it, and then er, therefore did nothing with it. There's something that jumps out at me from all the sikhs of Nun Alab and Nun Beis. And I think that it's very obvious that without a physical Rebbe driving us, that the, what I call the locus of responsibility 
the location of responsibility is us. And the concept of Rebbe do something for me, which generally is not there, on the, in the same way, certainly, that concept is the opposite of the concept that the Rebbe develops and teaches us about Geula itself. That everything comes down to you. Meaning, Dira Batach is you. It, you don't look for your salvation from the outside. Live your reality on the inside. From the outside. Live your reality on the inside. And one of the things I've noticed in different areas where I've experienced this is that we're not teaching Hasidus as a powerful tool to be that center of location. We are teaching it in a way that we're waiting for something from the outside to influence us. That's a very interesting statement, Ruvain. And obviously you could see that there's a really big push right now to equate Hasidus with psychology and self-improvement. Um, is that the same thing or are you saying it in a different way? Well, that's an interesting question. I personally hold that all of this psychology, Tanya talk is totally wacky. Why? Hasidus has a psychological component to it. You know, there's a thing, uh, there's the Friedrich Rebbe writes in Lakuta Deburim that the altar, that the Rebbe Rashab went to, what turns out that we're aware of, doesn't say the name, he went to Freud and he went there for his nerves because Freud was not a psychiatrist or psychologist, a psychiatrist only, but he was a doctor of the nervous system. In any case, and he asks him, what does he do? And he says he's a Rebbe and he asks him, like, what's the job of a Rebbe in Hasidus? And he says that the job of a Rebbe Hasidus is to is to have the heart be guided by the mind. And Freud says back to him, but they're two opposites. How do they? They're two opposite worlds. They don't even coexist. So the Rebbe Shav says we bring we build a bridge. And there he continues and says that the Hasidim bitoldaisam by birth have the ability to build that bridge and the psych and are better psychologists basically than psychologists so they have psychology in their understanding of the mind and 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 how it works with the heart but i think it's almost it's think about what david melech was was chastised because he said that the torah was like a song of praise Anyone know what I'm referring to? And we're saying that the Tanya and Hasidus is about psychology and holding hands and, and, and making uh, drum circles so that we can all feel good. This is like cheapening what we have. And I know that there's psychological problems. And I, and, and I know that there are Areas in which, and, and elements of which Hasidus that you can take and apply to a psychological perspective. But you're not going to tell me that that's Hasidus. Oh, just one thing. Let me add that I think that the people that are doing that may have the agenda to save Hasidus by 
putting it into a psychological context. And you know what? That's what happened with Call of the Chauffeur. When they all went screaming, we have everything and you don't need anything else. Okay, you went and saved the day, but you never followed through anyways to answer those people who were running off to Call of the Chauffeur. That's a different, for a different podcast. Bottom line is, Hasidus is the essence of everything the Rebbe stood for. If you're not holding by the essence, at least agreeing that's the essence of everything, then you can't be holding by Goli. You can't be holding by the Rebbe. That's what he lived for. That's what he's all about. And maybe that's the expectation we've lost. Well, let's let's backtrack. Let's let's die, let's let's break that apart a little bit because a lot of people I think are going to say, "Well, finally somebody is bringing Hasidus down." to a level where it's practical to me. Finally, Hasidus is being brought in a way that I can now wrap my human brain around it, wrap my human trauma, my human uh, emotional needs that are not being met and fulfilled, and it's giving me context for these things. And they're going to say, you know, this was the first time in my life I was able to actually learn Hasidus and have it be practical to me. So what would you say to that person who probably is having a very intense... I mean, like, again, I I hear everything that you're saying, and this is exactly what I think we should be talking about, because what is the expectation really first needs to to be asked the question, well, what is Hasidus? And that question has been asked and answered many times by people far greater than us, all of the Rebbeim included, answered that question. But what is Hasidus? And when you can answer that question, then you can answer the question of, well, what's the, what's the expectation of a Hasid? And I think all of this comes back to this issue of, well, if you're just afraid of being unique, if you're just afraid of actually showing the differentiation between what Chabad has and either other forms of Hasidus, let alone what other things in the firm world have, if we're afraid to be pioneers or even actually just stand up for what the Rebbe says in black and white that he edited and nobody has the ability to say he didn't say, you know, that's where the expectations need to be, uh, you know, reworked and re- rethought through to, to have for ourselves, let alone for our children in the next generation. I sense that the application that Hasidus speaks to me on a psychological level, right, which is what you're saying, that the flow, if I can use the term of hierarchy and energy, is that if I can prove to you that I have a psychological answer, I could justify Hasidus. As opposed to, because I know what Hasidus is, I'm going to now heal your psychological problem, but not the other way around. Hasidus lifts you up, and you have to go through, you know, it's a very interesting thing. The Friedrich Rebbe writes, and I've always been amazed at this, Friedrich Rebbe writes that avoidus atfila and avoidus his boyness at tefillah is all about zichuch hamidois, of refining your character. What are you talking about? Like, davening is about asking for what you need. 
And if you're really a special guy that was in Russia in the camps for in Siberia for five years, davening was connecting to God and experiencing whatever we think they were experiencing. What do you mean zichochamidus? And the pshat is because I realize different realities through learning chassidus, I become refined and I lose my desires for the lower stuff. So I move into that space that I'm learning about. But if you don't move into that space, says the Fidik Rebbe, there's no chassidus, and he even says more than that, there's no Rebbe. So again, I wonder how much of the motivation of finding the coordinates of Hasidus that apply to psychology or supply or apply to the, any ills of the world is more to prove the legitimacy of Hasidus than it is to dispel the illegitimacy, the sheker of whatever a person's living through. I want to add to that, which I think is so important, that I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to say how you were saying it before more than, than how you just said it, but the idea of Geula and Mashiach is the idea that it's Torah, Mitzvah, Mishlemus. That's obvious and that's everybody would agree on. But one of the things that the Rebbe continuously, continuously spells out in Nun Aleph and Nun Base, that the idea is that Geula is having all 10 Kaichais come online. And I think for many people, Hasidus was kept as a very intellectual pursuit. So the idea of actually changing your midas as a result of your davening and your hezbainanis didn't make any sense to them because it was only intellectual. Now you have people who are saying, well, it was supposed to be brought down all the way, all the way to not only your psychology and you know psychological issues, but literally to every single aspect of yourself that all of those different parts of you should be aligned with Hasidus and should be influenced by Hasidus. And I think that was a huge missed expectation for a very long time, or at least that's how it was taught, that it, it you just keep it as an intellectual pursuit of God as a theory. Okay, so Zechariah, I challenge you, and me, but I challenge you. It's easier to challenge you than challenge me. Okay, we've, we've laid out the problem. Next week, let's offer solutions. You've been listening to A Street for Brains, a production of HubBudLife.tv and Studio 2C.